Fire is a blessing and a curse. Its constructive potential is rivaled only by its destructive capabilities. It was once thought that humans were the only creature on Earth to harness this powerful energy to aid in survival. But there's something else out there that's borrowing our techniques to gain a competitive edge in life, death, and taxonomy. Welcome back to Life, Death, and Taxonomy. It's 30 minutes of interesting animal info shipped directly to your, your canal. I'm Joe. And I'm Carlos. And today we're talking about a bird that is a harbinger of doom and destruction. But more on that later. I hope that shipping is free when it's shipped to my air canals. Uh, it's actually 1450. It's actually kind of steep. Yeah, that is pretty, <laughs> it's pretty steep. Considering that it goes from the headphones to the ear canals is like a really short distance it's shipped via like an old-timey frigate so it takes like a lot of manpower to run it's shipped via pony express <laughs> yeah from uh, wells fargo wagon the, did you know the pony express only lasted like a couple months yeah because it's ridiculous we talk <laughs> we, we talk about it so much but it was a complete failure and it only lasted a couple months anyway that's not how this information is getting to you it's an audio medium <laughs> <laughs> it's, we're going to use air, the air to create sound waves. It's actually coming to your brain through the speed of sound we're and mental processes. We speak, and by us speaking, put thoughts into your brain. Thoughts about animals. Yeah. And today we're talking about a bird. Not just any bird. As usual, it's not just any bird. But a can kite. You, can you imagine if we just did bird? We just did bird. <laughs> today we're doing bird. We're doing birds, some of, we're doing mammal. Some of them fly, some don't. That's it. <laughs> Hollow bones. That's not it. That's all, That's just we've, like we've barely been, it. We've been life, death, and taxonomy. <laughs> no, we're doing the black kite. It's it's a, a bird that has a neat name. It is a very neat name. Kite is just a cool... And, 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 and it's, it's a, a raptor. Yes. Which is a neat group of birds yes uh, but let's talk about where this thing lives in the taxonomic i want to say order of things but order is a part of the taxonomy so say the ta the, you struggle with what to say there a lot yeah we're <laughs> let's taxonomize this thing oh okay so it's in a kingdom you like it oh darn it i did it again you know it you love it you're in it Kingdom Animalia. <laughs> I, we need to have t-shirts for this so that I could just read your t-shirt <laughs> while I'm doing this. Um, the uh, phylum is Chordata. It's a bird. It's a bird. So, class, I'm I'm going to give a little pause here so that you can uh, yell out into your into your steering wheel. To the void. Or into the, the your, your elliptical or treadmill. What the answer is for class. That's right, it's Aves. Um, the order is Accipitriformes, which we've actually been here relatively recently because of the Golden Eagle. Yes. And the family is Accipitridae, which I think, which was also the Golden Eagle. So we're talking about ba basically birds of prey, raptors, eagles, hawks. I don't think vultures are in Accipitridae, um, but... Uh, I think they're in their own thing. Birds that eat meat. Uh, the genus... Is Milvus, and the species is okay. So it's either Magrons, 
Or my grands. <laughs> <laughs> Stop, you're giving me a McGron. Well, the... <laughs> <laughs> McGron James. <laughs> McGron James. That should have been one of my things. but it's, it... So it is. It, that is one of my. <laughs> this is not one of my. <laughs> and so it's too. It's not too late. You usually think of them after. Yeah. So uh, Black King Kite is one of my uh, nicknames, like Nat King Cole. Okay. Um, and then the Farmer Milvis, Farmer Milvises, avian migraines, <laughs> McGrons. <laughs> McGrons. Because wow, this thing gives farmers migraines. It probably does. Yeah. So, besides. What we now know about it, which is very little. <laughs> Let's talk about what this thing looks like. Okay. Um, so kites are medium-sized raptors. Now, I wanted to have a section here where it was like, know the difference between hawks and kites and falcons and eagles. And I could not find just like hard lines drawn in the sand between these groups of birds. It wasn't like, okay, so eagles are always bigger. No, that's not always true. Or falcons are always more agile. That's not true either. Or they have specifically um, dovetail. Like they have swallow kind of like split tails. But that's not all true either. So they, they all just kind of look like fierce birds of prey. Yeah, well, so there's no obvious difference between a falcon and a hawk. And a kite. Falcons look like you. It, falcons you can look at and be like, okay, that's that's a falcon. They're usually smaller, and they have more rounded heads. Yeah, um, they've got that kind of like beaks. chibi, like precious moments face. <laughs> <laughs> just enormous eyes. Yes. Just non-existent noses. Yeah. And huge uh, cabbage patch te- and cheeks. The, and they're only they're only ever in pastel colors. Yeah, they kind of fade into the background all the time. They have one adorable little hair sticking up like alfalfa. But it, the specifically, it's like kites and hawks. When you look at a picture of the black kite, you're like, nope, that's a hawk. It looks exactly like a hawk. And looks like a lot of eagles, too. So it's just, I, I have no idea how to classify these things. But ornithologists do. Um, but basically, when you're thinking of a black kite, think of just a, like a, a red-shouldered hawk. Although it doesn't have red shoulders. It's mostly brown. <laughs> okay. And it has black outer feathers where it gets its name, the black kite. Um, and its claws are also black, but its legs are yellow. And so um, are its beak and gape. And the gape is the inside of its mouth. So when it opens up and you look inside, oh. it's bright yellow. Um, it also has a sharp hooked beak and intense eyes, which are characteristic of being a bird. That's a you. You had a lot to say about the eyes of the cassowary as well. Yeah, and the eagle. Yeah. They're just intense. Like Sam Eagle. Yeah. Did we talk about the eyes of the uh, the shoebill? I don't know, but we should have. I think so. Because at work, you have that picture of the shoebill that's just like staring at you like Sam Eagle. Yes, <laughs> yeah. And it's uh, very intimidating for a bird that looks so dopey. <laughs> well, it depends on the angle. It looks dopey. At so- certain angles, and then like intimidating and cool at other angles. So you just got to pick your angles. Yeah, the angles are all life wrong. lesson. Uh, but uh, so they're medium size. They're about this. They're about the size of hawks. They're not quite as big as most eels and vultures, but they're bigger than falcons. But how exactly do we know how big they are? Well, I'm glad you asked because that brings us to 
The listener's favorite part of the show, as told to me by listener polls that I find reliable and and uh, solid sources. You do bad science. Just just saying. <laughs> uh, until proven otherwise, it's the listener's favorite part of the show. Measure up the part of the episode where we can convey the animal size and other dimensions into relatable comparisons in the form of a quiz. And it's also the part of the show that's inter- introduced by you, not not Carlos, the listener. You, the listener. I used to introduce it. Used to help. Did you, oh, that's true. Yes. Back when we used to yell. Much to your chagrin. This week, <clears throat> the episode is introduced. I mean, the the episode within an episode um, is introduced by Ashley and Julia. Julia, you've heard from before. You will recognize the voice from the end of every one of these episodes. Yes. If you haven't heard her voice at the end of the episode, listen to the end of the episode. <laughs> yeah, uh, you get to hear a little blooper at the end. Uh, without further ado, the listener's favorite part of the show. Measure <laughs> Had a bit of a Tarzan yell there. It was fierce. <laughs> that Fearsome. Was, that was very good. Thank you, Julia. Thank you, Ashley. Also, hello, Julia. She said hello. <laughs> <laughs> hello back. She's still listening probably right now, so hello. Oh, hey. Also, hey, hey, Calvin, her brother. Just and 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 everyone else. Every, hello to everyone, actually. <laughs> uh, all right, let's get right into the wingspan. The black height wingspan is 150 centimeters, and I forgot to look that up in feet for you. So if you want to do that math, how many black kites go into the length of the world's largest kite? What qualifies as a kite? Does a parachute <laughs> count as a kite? No, I think it has to have no per- people on it. Okay. Here's a hint. The kite was flown at the Kuwait Hala Festival in 2005. Hala. Yeah. They said, Hala, here's a giant kite. Or maybe it's not that giant. Maybe the it's a low bar for the world's largest kite. Hmm. I have no idea how big the world's largest kite would be. <laughs> I mean, I guess the possibilities are pretty up there. I mean, it's just a... Yeah, all, like Piece all of kites. Fa- just, yeah, literally up there. <laughs> Go fly a kite. Uh, it's just a piece of fabric held up by, like, rods and blown up there by the wind. So, I mean, it could be as big as, like, a building. <laughs> I think what uh, what disqualifies... Does someone have to hold it? One can it, Does it have to be held by one person? No, I think what disqualifies stuff like... Um... Parachutes? Par- no, parachute floats <laughs> is enclosed air. It's just floating on the breeze. Yeah. Like a hot air balloon. That's a that's I feel a kite. like that count qualifies as enclosed air. But then like a hang glider is basically a kite too. With a person on it. With it's got a person on it. That you can't have a pu- You also have to kite. have a string. So there we go. Um, I'm going to say this thing is, I don't know, 30 feet across. You said across? You said, what? what is the... What yeah, is- the length of it. It's like... There's a length, and then there's yeah. like a width. Okay, so it's like a big rectangle. Yeah. Like a parachute. Um, well, like modern parachutes. I'm going to say it's 30 feet across. How many centimeters? 150. 30 feet's about 9 meters. Um, you said 150 centimeters. Mm-hmm. That's 4 feet 11 inches. Okay. Well, I'm going to still go with the centimeters thing. Okay. Because 150 centimeters is a meter and a half. And so that would put it at ex- 
exactly 18 kites. Uh, 18 black kites go into the world's biggest kite. End I'm, to end. I'm very... In, I may have done something wrong, or you did. Let's see here. Well, I'm, I'm saying that the, the, the kite, the biggest kite, is nine meters long you said that the the black kite is 150 centimeters which is a meter and a half a meter and a half times 18 gets you to nine no i'm wrong <laughs> i'm the wrong. math is wrong the, yeah yeah no uh-huh are you not, sure you don't want to stick it's with six it? six across six kites six are you sure you don't want to stick with your original answer yeah because your the the actual answer is 17 black kites <laughs> I keep thinking you're leading me astray with this stick with your original answer thing. <laughs> so it's 17 black kites because the world's largest kite is 83 feet across. Oh, wow, yeah. And seven inches. So I did my math wrong. Or 25 meters. Yeah. That was, was interesting. It was such easy math. Uh, again, I was doubting myself because you were so sure of something. And I did this with a calculator. And why am I doubting <laughs> myself? Uh, so wait. Let's move on to wait. 106 pounds or 725.7 grams. How many black kites go into the weight of the food that Nickers, the 3,000 pound giant Australian steer, eats every day? It's a combination of hay and grain. Nickers. Yeah. What is he, the biggest horse? Uh, he's a steer. Cow. You're right. Steers are not horses. Uh, <laughs> steers are steers are cows. Or cattle. Ste- ste- steers are male cattle. Yeah. Cows are female cattle. Here's a hint. Nickers became an internet fa- internet famous last year when a picture of him next to some brown female cows of a different breed oh, went viral. I have heard of this. You've seen this cow. I mean steer. Uh, he's seen towering over uh, the steer's peers, but <laughs> unlike. Most internet picture, I mean, like most internet pictures, there's more to the story. He is a breed called a Holstein. Um, he's a male steer, which all steer are. And he's much older than the average steer. Steers are castrated males that are mostly bred for meat. But Nickers grew large quickly and soon became too big to butcher with conventional machines. That's awful. So his owners decided to let him escape the plate. Steers are usually slaughtered at around 18 months when they're at that time, they're about four feet at the shoulder and 2000 pounds. Uh, Nickers is seven years old though, or now maybe like eight. And he's definitely a large steer, larger than average, but other steers used as oxen have grown to be 3000 pounds before. He's a big boy, but not a super cow. What's a super cow? Well, like when the picture came out, He's next to miniature cows of a different breed. So they're like way smaller than him. He's towering above them. So everyone was like, this cow is the the king of cows. This cow is going to actually eat us all. It's a steer, not a cow. But like this cattle, this this single cattle, this one, I don't know what to say. uh, A a coot, a cout. What? That's what a cattle singular is i'm inventing a word good because there one. isn't one it's annoying there's no singular for cattle anyway yeah so he's a big cow a piece of cow. i mean steer but he's he's not super big so what he eats every day yes i'm saying 100 pounds how much did you say that the um 
hundred pounds of hay. Yeah. Oh, that's a fair guess. How much did you say the um, black height weighs? 1.6 pounds or 725 grams. 1.6 pounds. So we're going to go with 70. 70 kites? Uh-huh. It's not exact. Maybe I'll go 68 or 65. 65. Final okay. answer. It's 71. Is it really? 71.8. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> uh, he eats about 115 pounds of hay and grain every day. Oh, I was close. I mean, I was, I, I I nailed the guess pretty much. Yeah. And then I hedged my math too much. <laughs> Good. Yeah. This wasn't that bad. No. I feel really bad about the kite thing. My math was definitely way off. <laughs> but my guess was way off and it balanced itself out. Yeah. But not the first time on this show. <laughs> yeah, that's really weird how that keeps happening. All right. Are we done? Yes. I put 6 million population here just in case you said six, how the, what the population was based on <laughs> if the population was a, a, a Halley's Comet. How many Halley's Comets go into this population? I almost did the combined weight of Australians, which that would have helped you with. A I little didn't. bit. <laughs> I didn't do that. Um, all right. So let's talk about where the black kite lives, this, this hawkish thing. Um, it lives, it lives in a lot of places. It lives all throughout sub-Saharan Africa, India, Southeast Asia, and Australia. So kind of like this bar is, uh, ribbon from, uh, like sub-Saharan Africa all the way across the Indian ocean. So they, they're, they're, they're partial to tropical savannas. Tropical savannas. Like savannas that are in the tropic or subtropic zone, I think. That's what that it means. I thought that a savanna was not in the tropic zone. The savanna in Africa is. Is that tropical? I think so. I thought it was arid or semi-arid. Well, tropic is just uh, the distance from... The equator? The equator. There's also tropical rainforests. The climate is not tropical, but the... Uh... Yeah. But the tropical latitude. rainforests are in the tropical zone. Latitudinal zone. You can't be a tropical rainforest outside the tropics. Are there rainforests outside of the tropical zone? No. We are. Because they can't be tropics. <laughs> they can't be tropical rainforests. No, we're just regular rainforests, not tropical ones. Yes. I'm talking about. I'm not talking about the run-of-mill tropical ones that are so boring. Um, <laughs> I hate them. I hate them so much. <laughs> so the, the kite basically lives everywhere but the Western Hemisphere. So it does not live at all in the north, in North or South America, but it lives That's in Asia. I mean, or very good. We'll find out later. Yeah, I think we're gonna find out. It's a little bit on the good side. We've got lots of other raptors and cool-looking birds. Uh, so, the kite is an opportunistic hunter. It feeds on smaller birds, bats, and rodents. Uh, they will also raid the nests of other raptors, including other black kites. Yikes! Rude. It is very rude. But a lot of animals cannibalize <laughs> so um they're cannibals yeah the animals <laughs> <laughs> well uh, it's a uh, makes that pink yogurt really <laughs> uh the, the black kite will also sometimes try to uh, steal food out of humans hands in india and pakistan there's actually like a, a manual to avoiding having that happen Emmanuel. yeah 
you know, God with us. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, sweet. Um, And its only known predator is the Eurasian eagle owl. Didn't know that eagle owl was a thing. Sounds awesome. Um, It's actually, it's a pretty big owl. I must see a picture of this. (laughs) It looks like your standard, you know, great horned owl. It's, It's not like insane looking, but... It's a it's one of the bigger owls oh, in the world. Yeah. But and it's e- your typical owl. It's got the two ear tufts. It's like it's like if you th- think of an owl right now, it's that. Yeah. Unless you think of the barn owl as your standard Or a burrowing owl. owl. Stop. No, think of the <laughs> Even the burrowing owl looks a lot like you know, your standard screech or great horned owl. Burrowing owl has no ear tufts though. Doesn't it? No. Man, then the FAU mascot is wrong. We're not the burrowing owls. Yes, we are. No, we're not. We're just the owls. We're inspired by burrowing owls to be our best owls, obviously, because they're on campus. Yeah, we have burrowing owls on campus. But we're the FAU owls. We're not the FAU burrowing owls. It's too much. It's too specific? Yeah, well, it's too long. Yeah. Well, it's like you have the Florida Panthers. And, they're and not the, the stadium Cougars. is just called FAU Stadium. It's not called the burrow, which it should be, but it isn't. It should be called the burrow, but, but then you not burrowing owls. But then you would spell it like B U R R O U G H, like it was the qu- Queens or something like that. <laughs> okay, <laughs> well, that's all I got. All right, are you ready for the majorest of facts in this episode? Yeah, sure. Here we Bring go. It on. So black kites and other small, bir- similar birds, which there's another one called the brown hawk, I think. They're probably indistinguishable. <laughs> uh, they that they live in the savannas of Australia, and they've learned to use fire. What? See you next week. <laughs> it's unacceptable. We should definitely put a, an embargo on that sanction. So, so they don't use sanction Australia for their kite. Their kites are too smart. <laughs> no, sa- just sanction the kites. <laughs> okay. So they don't use it to cook little mouse stews or make rabbit kebabs, obviously. Instead, they use fire to flush out prey that's escaping from blaze, from a blaze. Do they use it like a like a, a steel wool battery situation? I'm sure they do that, yeah. Flint. Sterno stoves. <laughs> <laughs> the birds sometimes... F- uh, are called fire kites or fire hawks. That is so much cooler. They should be called fire kites. Oh my goodness. How do we... Who dropped the ball on this? <laughs> and they will sometimes flock to fires like seagulls flock to a basket of french fries. Mine? They say, yeah, they're so super down with fire. So when a controlled fire is set to clear away dead grass or a natural fire um, is set by dry conditions, the birds will be attracted to the smoke. As the fire burns, they will swoop down and pick up frantic reptiles and rodents and bugs and stuff. Oh, so they don't use it. They just... I mean, they use it to their advantage, but they don't use it. They don't handle it. Unlike things, most things, they go towards fire. Yeah. Um, So they've learned that fires make for easy pickings. Not only are they, uh, are prey like smoked out of hiding places and stuff, they are also focused on another source of danger, so they don't see this, this danger bird coming at them very fast. This 
firehawk. Yes. Uh, I'll never get used to saying that. That's so cool. But what does a firehawk bird, kite, do? Thunder fire bird. When there hawk. aren't any fires. Um, the steel wool and battery situation, I assume. They set their own fires. What? I was yeah, right. I was slow rolling it earlier. <laughs> they do make, they do do stuff that's more interesting than that. I was being coy. I knew. So of course, you aren't going to catch a hawk rubbing some sticks together like Bear Grylls, or whipping out their Zippo lighters. Instead, they don't make their own sources of fire, but they will find sources and bring them to st- strategic locations. Like when their town has a Frankenstein in it or something like that. They wave it in front of that Frankenstein's face. Yes, or Frankenstein's monster, if you're going to be precise. Recent findings have noted that the firehawks grab burning sticks and embers in their beaks and drop them on dry bushes and brush to start new fires. But this is just confirming uh, a phenomenon that Aboriginal tribes have talked about for years. (laughs) <laughs> we the so uh captain cook shows up with his band of uh of prisoners from the uk and the aborigines are like don't come here everything kills you and, and the our birds, birds start fires <laughs> and cook is like you're crazy yeah <laughs> and now in 2015 or whenever this study was done somebody western was finally like yep <laughs> <laughs> It's been 250 years, and yes, birds start fires in this country. Yeah, <laughs> but, uh, not, but not just in Australia. It's they were actually the they were actually using Aboriginal sources to like figure this out. So the Aborigin Aborigines helped to make this official. That would be crazy if there was this relationship between the Aborigines and the Black Kites, where they specifically set fires with sticks that the the Black Kites could pick up. And, like, create controlled burns and then, like, have that, like, ecological maintenance going. That would have been nuts. Yeah. Like, kind of like sky burials. <laughs> what? Like, in the Himalayas, they, you know, the, rather than, because the rock was too hard to bury. Um, the Nepalese, when the, it was too hard to bury their, their, um, their dead, so they would leave them out and the vultures would eat the corpses of their of their deceased it's called a sky burial yeah that's a lot easier to coordinate than like a burial controlled burns with birds <laughs> yeah. still the the aborigines could um tell you all they didn't have words for left or right they had they could only tell you um directions based on cardinal directions so it's not to the left of you it's to the south oh interesting so they like they, they just had this they were one with the land and so i figured that that maybe this would be a cool way to for them to they maybe they be. did i wonder if they did controlled burns american indians before europeans got there did controlled burns did they yes ah, so we got there. there so we got there and we found pristine forests and we were like this is amazing the earth here is 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 like perfect in in terms of like there's so many trees but it turns out like it wasn't being like destroyed by fires because the Aborigines were, bur- I mean, the uh, Native Americans were burning bro- like dead brush away and stuff like that. Like they were doing it good. Also, they needed to move through the forest. That's true. I'm sure there were there was more practical things than like forest conservation 
on their minds, like practical everyday things. I, I, I would really like to know if the Aborigines, like, they knew that they started fires, they did need to clear out the underbrush, and there was some... I mean, they could just do it themselves, I suppose. <laughs> There's no reason to count on the benevolence or yeah. malevolence of birds. <laughs> uh, so anyway, sometimes they will take uh, ember from one brush fire and start another, but in other cases, they will take embers from cooking fires, campfires that are made by people and bring that and make a new, like a brush fire. It seems like they're super not afraid of people. Yeah. Well, I don't know. There could be, could leave a pe- They're not afraid of fire. Like- <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's true. They are not afraid of fire. But uh, it, like, the fact that they'll take food out of your hand, seals won't even do that. Seals? Seagulls. They will do that. And I've seen it. Really? <laughs> yeah. They uh, like um, if you're feeding the seals uh, at um, sea world, sea world with fish. If you look away, a seagull will take it from you. Like it will swoop down, and you will not be holding a fish anymore. <laughs> I saw it happen to a little girl like several times. She's trying to feed these seals. She just she's not imposing enough. And sometimes you'll throw it, and they'll catch it in midair. Ooh, interception. So, fire marshals, or whatever the Australian equivalent is, probably something cute like flamies or hottie coppers or something, something like that. I was going to Are you being coy or was accent. that an actual thing? Well, they, they shorten everything. The hottie coppers. Flamies. Crikey, mate. He's a hottie copper. <laughs> That's the fire marshal. Fire marshal. No, they definitely say hottie coppers. Oh, it's so good. <laughs> the the hottie coppers keep the firehawks away. Um, so fire marshals have seen that some fires will jump rivers and continue past unburned obstructions. So it's most likely that the birds are dropping embers to keep fires going. Uh, unfortunately, this also makes it difficult to organize controlled burns and contain wildfires in Australia where these birds are doing their thing. So, on the other hand, fires are a fact of life on tropical savannas, and it's nice that something is benefiting from them, at least. When there's scorched earth, there's a happy hawk sitting in a tree somewhere. Scorched earth, that's the war policy where, like, yeah. you go through. And you... Did we talk about this in the last episode? Or in real life? I think we just... <laughs> I think we talked about this offline. Oh, okay. IRL. <laughs> Scorched Earth is the where like the Germans pushing into Russia burned everything behind them, and I was like, "Is that slash and burn? What's the name <laughs> of this this war tactic?" No, Scorched Earth. Scorched so Earth that, is also just when the Earth is on fire. That's got to be really annoying for farmers. Like you have this whole I don't know wheat field, and then. Suddenly this hawk with a flaming branch comes and drops it in the middle of your field to catch all the varmints that are living in there. Well, I would imagine that would be harder to burn, like, a f- fresh plants. Mm, maybe. I don't know. I mean, harder, obviously, than dry, dead plants, I but mean, still Samson not. I mean, did it with some really frightened foxes. Yeah. <laughs> That's awful, too. <laughs> it's just set a bunch of foxes on fire, release them amongst the Philistines. Yeah. Should have grabbed a hawk, a fire hawk. <laughs> yeah. There might have been some 
there at that time. Are there there? They might be there now. So yeah. I don't, have, but Australians, uh, Australian ones are the ones that set fires. So we don't know if like. Do they not set fires elsewhere? They might not have figured it out. Huh. I've I've only heard about it in Australia. Because they also, they also live in the savannas of Africa. Yeah. The Serengeti. Yeah. Where doing that would probably be pretty beneficial. Yeah. We also might scare out a Cape buffalo, and that would kill me. So. <laughs> not if you're flying. Anyway, that's all I got. <laughs> all right, so that was the black kite, the fire-starting bird. So, stay cool. Don't get your feathers ruffled. And definitely, don't start random fires like the black kite here in Life, Death, and Taxonomy. Welcome, LD Taxonomy listeners, to the end of the episode. Thanks for listening all the way to the end. Don't forget, you still have a little stinger and then a blooper. Keep listening. Anyway, don't forget you can listen to us on LDTaxonomy.com, all of your subscription-based podcast apps. Tell your friends. Also, leave us a review on your favorite of those apps. And as always, send us Measure Up intros so that your voice can be in the beginning of the Measure Up segment. Thanks for listening also engaging. Was that a lizard tail? <laughs> or a fish hook? I just calvin the crap out of that. A petrified lizard tail. That's a lot worse. Is it? Yeah. Here we go. Then fresh lizard tail? Yes. I don't know. I'm sure. Here we go. Fewer nutrients. I'm doing it. But there's something else out there that's borrowing our techniques to gain a competitive edge in life, death, and taxonomy. It's birds. Spoiler alert. <laughs> some some kind of bird.